You don't sound autistic. Well, uh, what does an autistic person Wait. sound like? You're autistic? Yeah, I'm telling you that. You don't even look autistic. But, but we're talking about... Yeah, but, but I don't buy it. But I, I was diagnosed with autism and ADHD and anxiety and depression. You don't sound autistic. Welcome back to another episode of You Don't Sound Autistic. I'm Blake. And I'm Rochelle. And I'm autistic. And I'm not. All right. Well, that covers that. Um, I think one thing I forgot to do the last episode or two was to mention the Facebook group. So make sure that you join the uh, YDSA You Don't Sound Autistic Facebook group. Join the 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 droop. <laughs> join the droop. Join the group. Join the conversation. Also make sure that you uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe to the podcast on your preferred platform so you can be notified of the newest episodes when they're released. And we'd like to always welcome our new listeners and our new members to the Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Welcome. Uh, We have people listening from all around the world and all around the United States. So welcome back. Yeah. Um, So one thing that came up this week was um, I was, I went to have, I have, so I have therapy every other week. Right. And uh, I I posted about it in the Facebook group. So if you are in the group, you've probably already seen it. And if not, then and to clarify, you're talking about um, talk therapy. Talk therapy, as opposed to what Rochelle considers therapy, which is massage therapy. There's a lot of different types of therapy. When I any okay, this is a mental health podcast. I'm not going to get a rub and tug. Uh, that's not what I do. Okay. Fine, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? what did you just call me? Just yeah. saying. <clears throat> I'm getting my amygdala massaged. There you go. Um, so I just wanted to, I'm, you know, so if you've already seen this on the Facebook group, I do apologize. I think it was a great question. I, I think it's worth reiterating regardless. But uh, so I, I posted this and said, before we record our next episode, which is obviously recording right this second. I wanted to pose a question. I'm not sure if it's due to my current meds or just state of mind, but lately I've been feeling numb, lacking attention, bored, lacking motivation, my house is in disarray, and I'm messier than normal. Anyone else on the spectrum dealing with these feelings? How are you managing? So, um, Rustin had said that it sounds like standard uh, depression. And then Kim mentioned autistic, uh, autistic burnout and she posted a, mm, uh, that's a good idea psychcentral.com article. I also went on and found um, an article uh, from the New York Times talking about it as well. Really? Saying how it, yeah, it affects adults and children differently. Autistic burnout? Yes. Can you describe it? I just did. Huh? I just described it. I know in your question, but tell me more about what the article said. Well, let me pull it up. You say something while I look. Okay. I mean, autistic burnout I is... found it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for covering for me, Rochelle. That was great. You're welcome. Um, I am a pro. Yeah. So it just said, I mean, so to just as a disclaimer, this is something that is not well talked about. Um, it's not something that's very well known or studied. So okay. it's, I'm not, I'm neither confirming nor denying w- whether or not this is a hundred percent accurate, but. So you're saying we're still in like research and development on this. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Fair. We're developing more autistic people. Well, I think we're on, we're illuminating them, but. We're illuminating them. But understanding the research behind it. So, okay, go ahead. 
Um, I don't know. I'm not going to read the article, but... Well, what can you summarize for me? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm not very good at summarizing, so maybe I do have to read well, it. Well, then... Okay, then read it. This um, is a New York Times article? Yeah. When was it written? It was written in... Do, 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 2021. <laughs> 2021. You've got my brain today. Nah, don't. No, I've got your mouth. Oh, <laughs> fair point. September 3rd, 2021 by Beth Weingartner. And what's the title of it? The Battery's Dead. Burnout Looks Different in Autistic Adults. Oh, good title. The subtitle is, Though Little Studied Exhaustion Among People with Autism Has Become Its Own Pandemic. Hmm. Yeah, please read it, actually. The, the whole article? Yeah. Can, can we do that? You discredited them. I mean, I guess Cred- so. Yeah, you discredited them. It's kind them. of a long article. Well, All right, folks. Read as much as me. you need. Okay. And then stop when it gets to your point. You just tell me if uh, if I need to stop. Okay. Tyler Grant, 24, holds down a full-time advertising job, is trying to get a nonprofit off the ground, and creates regular content for her podcast. Ooh. YouTube channel and Instagram. I added the ooh, by the way. Occasionally, she, fu- she winds up so fried, she can't speak or get out of bed for days. Ms. Grant is also autistic. While most people undergo periods of burnout, physical, cognitive, and emotional depletion caused by intense, prolonged stress, autistic people, at some point in their lives, experience it on a whole different level. Autistic traits can amplify the conditions that lead to burnout, and burnout can cause these traits to worsen. Mm. They may become unable to speak or care for themselves and struggle with short-term memory. Mm. This harms their ability to perform well at jobs, in school, or at home. So let's pause there. At the very least. Okay. What? Well, okay. If I read the whole entire article, then uh, it'd be I'm like one of your... No, no, no. On the article, she said this, you know, inhibits their ability to perform at work, school, whatever the list was. And I said, at the very least, like, I mean, you're talking about massive exhaustion. So that's yeah, a great place to pause, actually, because, of course, my belief on neurodiversity is that it means you're living in chronic fight or flight. And if you're living in chronic fight or flight already... Without adding the, you know, the that kind of a, of an exhaustion element to it, then your body's never getting back into rest and digest. And if you're doing that, you're never recovering and and replenishing all of the vital um, nutrients and minerals and just nutrition that you need to function. So that's interesting. So in have you experienced? Have you experienced that where like you can't get out of bed, or is that kind of like the days where your stomach hurts and you're homesick and yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, I just, I just don't feel well. And it's like, it's a compounding thing. It's like, not only does my stomach not feel well, but I'm also just not feeling like motivated to move. Right. Yeah. Okay. Like, what was I listening to? Oh, I was just listening to a, um, a book written by, uh, Carrie Fisher. Okay. You know, who that is. Yeah, Princess Leia. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's called Wishful Drinking. <laughs> okay. And uh clever title. Yeah. So she she talks about her life growing up with her mom and her dad being famous and her being famous and some Star Wars stuff. And then she was talking about shoot, I was just about to make a really good point too. Okay. What were we just talking about? <laughs> Living in fight or flight and not ever having a chance to pause and replenish your body you know no something else so not my point so you were talking about how the everybody goes through periods of exhaustion however it's um more difficult for people with autism because um the exhaustion is more 
And so it's like they kind of work together to make it worse. It sounded Damn. like. See, this is that short-term memory. I, like I literally had a really great point about that book. Now it sounds like I'm selling it. No, you're not selling. You're trying to just forty nine ninety nine on Amazon. <laughs> Probably more like twelve, but um, um, yeah, no, I well, there was she, she, damn it, just just listen to the book and you'll. you'll did she make you'll, a point? I mean, she makes a point about something that I was about to say about exhaustion, <sighs> burnout. <laughs> was she? It's called wishful drinking. Was she a drinker? Yeah, yeah. You didn't know that she was uh-huh. like a total like. She like addicted to pills and no, and I didn't alcohol. know that. Yeah, but that wasn't the point. The point she like it hadn't even gotten to that point in the book yet. Oh, never mind. What a waste of time. It'll come to you. No, it won't. Let me go back. Where was I? Wasn't I reading something else? Oh, I got you distracted. were you were reading um, the article. Okay, let me just go back into the article. What was the last thing I said? Harms their ability to perform at jobs, in school, or at home. Okay. And I was thinking something about not being able to get out of bed. Hmm. See, this is the process, folks. I asked you about yourself, and you said your stomach hurt, but you also just didn't have, like, the energy or the motivation to get up. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just going to keep reading. Okay. It's the point at which there's no more time. Nope. There's no more of you left to give. The battery's dead. Tyla's left the chat, she said. Whatever you want from me, you're not going to get. The U.S. Center for Disease Control estimates that as of 2017, 2.2% of adults in the United States, nearly 5.5 million people, are autistic. That's almost certainly an undercount. Hold on. That statistic is for adults only, 18 and older. It doesn't include kids. It literally just said, of adults. Oh, I didn't hear you say it. Sorry. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control estimates that as of 2017, 2.2% of adults uh, in the United States, nearly 5.5 million people, are autistic. Okay. That's almost certainly an undercount. Many in the autistic and research communities believe that women and people of color are underdiagnosed. I agree. Autistic burnout is a concept already widely accepted in neurodivergent communities, but it hasn't been formally studied much, which is why I gave this little... Uh, Asterisk at the beginning of this uh, article. Right. Um, research does show that autistic people have a harder time keeping their heads above water in ways that are similar to burnout, and some experts offer advice on how to deal with it. Okay. So autism and mental health. A wide range of life stressors contribute to autistic burnout. According to a small 2020 study led by Portland State University researcher Dora M. Raymaker, Those include being forced to hide their autistic traits, often called masking, managing and disabling aspects of autism, and coping with a world that uh, expects autistic people to perform at the same level as their non-autistic peers. Participants of the survey described barriers to support, such as having their experiences and differences dismissed by others, a lack of external support, and an inability to take breaks. Beyond this study, there are a few published papers about autistic burnout, But similar conditions can help fill out the picture. For instance, in one 2020 study, 20% of autistic adults had been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder compared to just under 9% of non-autistic adults. I think that number's low. Okay. Don't give your opinion. (laughs) No opinions. Okay, fine. What's your opinion? I think that number's low. Okay, but that's Only 20%? Like, that doesn't seem right. But go ahead. Some of that anxiety stems from peer rejection or from being ostracized for autistic traits, such as deep interest in a specific topic, 
researchers found. Mm-hmm. Autistic people are also simply more vulnerable to anxiety. Mm-hmm. They're more sensitive to sensory input, yep. and their nervous systems are more likely to react strongly to stress, according to the study. Yeah, because I think you live in fight or flight. Autistic adults are also more likely to feel suicidal. A 2018 published study published in Molecular Autism found that 72% of autistic adults scored highly for suicide risk compared to 33% of the general population. That number seems right. Numerous... Can I read? I'll forget. I mean, if I if I wait till the end for all my that sounds like a good enough a good number of people killing themselves. And I don't want anyone to do that, but um, I'm just saying. Numerous studies have found a connection between burnout and suicidal thinking in non-autistic adults in a wide range of professions, including medicine and policing. Yeah, that must be what it says. For autistic people, a number of factors contributed to their suicidal thoughts, including self-harm and masking, as well as not having their support needs met, according to the study. Hmm. Um, Hold on one second. There was something else I was reading that said something similar to that. About support needs not being met? No, about... Hold on. This is a very similar article that Kim shared. I just decided to do the New York Times one because that one... um, was a little bit more i think it was a little bit more brief i don't know maybe i'm wrong but the reason i want to so if you're considering self-harm or suicide you're not alone if you're having thoughts of suicide or self-harm you can access free support right away with these resources you can always call the national suicide prevention lifeline at 800-273-8255 open 24 hours a day seven days a week Mm -hmm. Um, there's also the text or crisis text line text home to the crisis text line at 741741 there's also the Trevor Project, which is an LGBTQIA plus and under 25 years old. Oh, I guess this is okay. Call 866-488-7386 or text START to 678-678. There's also the Veterans Crisis Line, the Deaf Crisis Line, Befrienders Worldwide. Um, I'm not going to read every single phone number, but there's help out there for you. Make sure that you get some. Mm-hmm. We can all sometimes use it. Uh, burnout can erode independence. Burnout can erode independence. Okay. Yep. Political reporter Eric Michael Garcia agreed that rest is a key remedy for autistic burnout, and he's noticed as he gets older that it takes him longer to recharge. Mr. Garcia, 30, experienced his first extended period of autistic burnout while covering the 2016 elections. At first, he thought he was just working too much, but a debilitating fatigue hung over him for a month. Soon after, he started noticing autistic people writing about burnout. Many of his peers, he said, spend all their energy trying to perform well at work and come home too exhausted exhausted to tend to other needs, such as cooking healthy meals, taking out the trash, or sustaining friendships and relationships. So I'm going to pause there because that is exactly what I'm dealing with right now. Okay. (sighs) So, yeah, I mean, I come home and I just, I have nothing left to give. And, And even when I'm at work, I'm like masking basically to just kind of get through the day right i just don't have anything else to give rochelle Mm, i'm exhausted in his book we're not broken changing the autism conversation mr garcia wrote that when non-autistic people experience burnout no one doubts their ability to live independently but for autistic adults a burnout state can leave loved ones and medical professionals to question their self-sufficiency and even suggest they move home with family Many can remain independent by having a live-in or occasional support person who can help with shopping, cooking, and bills, he wrote. I was actually thinking that the other day. I was like, it'd be so awesome if I had like uh, 
a person that could come in and help me mm-hmm. with like little basic stuff like i mean a maid cleaning would, yeah uh, you we can hire long, maids. a maid is one thing because they come in and clean but someone that would like clean out my refrigerator or help me clean out my refrigerator but the so that's an option you just need to talk to them like there's some incredible so the world has become very specialized and there's every every type of support is out there and most of the support in terms of like maintaining a household can be hired like and there are people who do a very good job like i think i do a fair job of cleaning my house i do not do as well as you know professional cleaners and um if you built a relationship with uh, someone that helps you in your house, you can start to teach like, this is where I want this to go. Can you help me do this? Can you help me do that? Like, you know, that's a partnership that's, that you could totally cultivate. And there's people who own homes. I mean, I was talking to a client recently who said, wow, I got into a home and, and she's neurodiverse. And uh, she says that I, I was fine when I was in apartments, but now that I've got myself into this home, it's just like, oh my gosh, it's too much. And I find myself overwhelmed and I find myself breaking down and crying and 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 it's just like it's too much and i said yeah that you know it happens often when we kind of right we complicate life or we expand life or we think we're growing according to like the whole dream sequence we were sold as kids about what it's like to have you know to be an adult has you have to have a big job and a big family and a big house and the maintenance on that i said you get to a point where You've just taken on so much in your day that it the cracks will show. You keep life super simple, the cracks don't always show, but you start adding things on, you know, and you get yourself into that position where you're tired, the cracks will show. She goes, man, I'm on an acre property, like the cracks are starting to show. And I really admired the way she was positioning it because it, she was able to say like, I, I didn't have this when it was like this, but I do have it now that I've added a house and all the responsibilities there. And, um, and then as we were talking about like, well, what can she do? Well, she can hire lawn maintenance, you know, and take some of the lawn care off of her. That's a big deal. She can hire people to help her clean. She can, you can hire people to help you cook. Like you can hire professionals. Yeah. But who's the money to do that? Well, you have to really control spending and decide and prioritize what is important. So, um, you know, she said that she had to really take a look at her budget and see where she was impulse buying, stop all the impulse buying because that actually was her budget for this. You're asking someone that has ADHD and specifically has impulsivity issues to stop impulse buying. Yeah. Cool. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not. I'm just saying what I've learned, it's not easy at all, but um, the impulsivity to buy is always going to be there. What helps is when you consciously go through and you make decisions about how you want to spend that money. So when you go to impulse buy, you've created sort of a check and balance where you go, nope, that money's already spent over here. And you kind of create some fail safes, but it, it requires a, a, a cognitive process to to really sit down with yourself and your numbers and think through and make decisions about how you want to allocate all that money. And then when you go to trigger that impulse in your brain, you've, you've almost built in a tripwire for your brain to kind of stop and catch and go, wait, I've spent that money over here. But if you don't ever sit down and make those decisions, then there's no tripwires for your brain and then you'll just keep overspending. It's a trick I learned from a neuroscientist. But Can you say that again in one sentence? Because I lost you there. 
have to think. <laughs> yes, you sit down and intentionally plan out how you're going to spend your money so you know where your funds and where your budget is going to go. So when you feel the mood to impulse buy something that isn't already on your list. I never have a list. That's the thing. I just go and I buy groceries. And that's exactly my point. So the the process of creating a list of what your this is my budget for this, this is my budget for that, that process of creating that list requires you to make decisions. Once you've made decisions, you've created different pathways for your brain. So when you go to impulse buy, instead of having no list where you have no repercussions for buying whatever you want, now you have a list that your brain reminds you of and says, oh, remember, we're, we're going to spend it over here. And it actually helps you manage the impulsivity. And at the same time, get some of your needs met because you've reallocated your, your impulse funds into support. I got, I guess, support funds. That was not one sentence. I don't. When have you ever known me to do one sentence? You could not do a sentence if you tried. Try, try again. I don't. How do I say all that in one sentence? Create a budget. Come on, you're selling. I'm, I'm a movie producer. We're making a movie here. What's the movie about? One sentence. Create a budget to help you control your impulse spending. There you go. Jeez, Louise. That's the longest sentence I've ever heard. Because it's irrelevant. I mean, the I can give you one sentence, but it's not like I'm painting the picture of that's what I it's need. It's Romeo and Juliet on a boat on Titanic. You know, like that's not how that's not how this yes, works. Yes, it is. That's you just sold me. I'll see that movie. Yeah, but I'm not selling a movie and an experience. I'm selling a a concept that says manage your impulse buying by pre-making your financial decisions in a budget. Well, I'm about to sell you the next part of this article. Tell me. Sleep is challenging. <laughs> Sleep. Sleep is my one, number one indicator of neurodiversity. But crucial. Sleep is challenging but crucial. Autistic burnout isn't a permanent state, however. One of the best ways for anyone to recover from burnout is rest. I don't know if I agree with this one. <laughs> Particularly sleep. According to Amelia Naga... Nope. N- Nagoski. Sure. The author of the best-selling 2019 book, Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Response Cycle. But autistic people have a harder time sleeping because of their neurological differences, according to a 2019 study. Right. Autistic people are more likely to sleep for shorter periods of time and experience lower quality sleep. And they're more likely to be night owls, the study found. Research on non-autistic adults shows that insomnia is a strong predictor of burnout, suggesting... I'm not trending on... A similar link among autistic people with sleep disorders. Hmm. Ms. Nagoski... Forty. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to say her name weird because it's N A G O S K I with Nagoski. I'm guessing Nagoski. Nagoski. I'm going with Nagoski. Sure. Forty four. I thought it was at first. I thought it was Nagasaki, and I was like, that doesn't look right. There's not enough letters in that word. I think what you're doing is a fair attempt at the word. All right, Ms. Nagoski. Forty four. Addressed autistic people's sleep woes in a recent YouTube video. This essential thing that is fundamental to wellness is harder for autistic people, she said. She was diagnosed with autism in 2020. Was everyone diagnosed in two years ago? And launched her channel. Sorry, and she was diagnosed in 2020, then launched her channel, Autistic Burnout, to offer advice and resources to people experiencing the condition. All the usual sleep hygiene tips. Uh, t- tips. <laughs> the sleep hygiene tips. Sleep hygiene tips apply to autistic people. Uh including avoiding screens near bedtime, making sure the room is sufficiently dark and cool, and taking a shower to make your temperature drop afterward, which tells your body it's time to sleep. But autistic people have to follow this advice more diligently, and even then, she said, it's more effort for less result. So, the sleep thing. 
Yeah. So ever since I switched my medications, I've been able to sleep, even though like last night I was up really late. But that was just because I was talking to someone online or whatever. Okay. Um, normally I go to bed like around the time, you know, like nine or ten. Right. So I go to bed around nine or ten and I wake up at like eight. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's so ten I'm, hours of sleep. Ten, yeah. eleven hours of sleep. And I'm still tired. Yeah. Now you're still tossing and turning? I don't know. I'm sleeping. <coughs> Gotcha. Come pop in the bed and find out. <laughs> There's not room for me now. Ask Declan. He won't know. He tosses and turns just like you do. Yeah, I know. I wake up with a foot up my butt every morning. Yeah, you do. Or in your face. In my face. Well, I think one of the things that I still don't see enough of when I when I see articles that are addressing um, autism and sleep is that we're not really adding in the pieces about flipping your central nervous system back into rest and digest. I get the no screen time. All basically the strategies I'm hearing are, you know, don't, don't ramp your nervous system up. But if you're looking at it from a central nervous system standpoint, it's a light switch. You're either in fight or flight or you're in rest and digest. It's just on or off. You just flip the switch, except you don't just flip the switch in autism. You don't. Or anxiety and depression and and ADD and ADHD. You don't just flip that switch, but you can trigger the switch. It just takes a conscious effort to say, I have got to flip my nervous system down and down regulate it. And, And you have a reticular alarm system in the in the um, in the brain that is designed to search for trauma. It's designed to search for triggers. It's designed to search for threats. It's designed to constantly look around and make sure that if, if it determines any little thing that you need to be aware of, it is going to get your attention. It's kind of in the back of the, the brain. The reticular alarm system is also hardwired into the trigeminal nerve, which is, you know, our mouth right here in the jaw. So talking a lot... Um, you know, that kind of nervous energy where you just can't stop talking or you become tangen- tangential or... Tell me about it. Uh, <laughs> or you need to talk to someone in order to, uh, they call it co-regulating, but, you know, you have to talk to someone in order to calm yourself down. That whole part of your neurology is going to stay wired, whether you're looking at screen time or taking a shower at the end of your night, regardless, because that's a neurological program that's running. However... Knowing that and the vagus nerve, there's that polyvagal theory, which we use a lot with trauma response, but you can purposefully bring your body down into a downregulated state using techniques like breath. Very powerful to take a a long um, inhale and an even longer exhale. That will help to reprogram the the actual nerves, the, the the vagus nerve and flip that switch. I don't see enough of that kind of support in these articles. That's why things like one sentence, let's hear it. What well, you try and do it all in one sentence. I barely know what the hell you just said. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what, what happens in stay in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's a great sentence. Yeah. Doesn't apply. Okay. I, we, okay. I've spoke. The vagus nerve is getting on my nerve. Oh. How about that? It Well, it probably is getting on your nerve because it never gets a chance to, to calm down. My point was in to contradict the article where it was like, oh, yeah, you just need a lot of sleep. And I'm like, I get tons of sleep. I still feel yeah, like that. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think that. 
Yeah. Sometimes like I, I get home and if I don't have Declan, I'll just like, it's like seven o'clock. I'll, I'll have eaten dinner. I'm just like, I'm just going to go to bed. I, but see, because I don't think this is addressing the emotional component of burnout either. Maybe the article goes on to, con- to say it and we just haven't gotten there yet. But um, Well, it could be. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the reason I brought this up is that it, you know, uh, or the people that brought it up on the Facebook group, it's, you know, so Rustin mentioned depression. I, yeah. And Kim, I believe, mentioned that it was possibly autistic burnout that I should look into that. And so looking at the two of them, it's like, I didn't really know so much about autistic burnout, so it seems like it is very close to it, like yeah. de- depression, right? But um, it also seems like because it's I've been depressed and now it's hitting. I think it's hitting a different register of, of it all. I mean, I don't think so. It's it's not like your run of the mill. It doesn't feel like your run of the mill depression. depression. It no, feels because like something on top of that depression is like. A lot of really big feelings that are so big and heavy that you don't even know you don't even know how to start teasing them apart to process them. It's like depression is such a big, heavy feeling that you you don't even have the energy to get angry about anything. One step up from depression is actually anger. So if you're if you're dealing with depression and you're finally starting to sort through like what are the feelings that you're depressed about and you have the energy to get angry like that's celebrate we celebrate that like that's good that means you're one step up you're you have just enough energy there to get angry if you start getting angry about it you'll start kind of working through and making decisions about at least one of the feelings that is creating that depression what autistic burnout sounds like to me is kind of more of a systemic version of a meltdown and in a meltdown you're talking about like neurological overwhelm where like the computer is fried there's no more input there's no more output you know it's just it just absolutely needs to crash in order to recover and now you're talking about a systemic you know a whole person version of that that isn't just let me get through 20 minutes of a meltdown this is like I need a month to recover kind of thing I mean you've burned the wires of the brain it sounds like and on top of anxiety and depression that you're already working through, plus the medication of ADHD, I mean, these are big things. Just I, to know what it is, the most important thing, folks, is that you need to talk to your doctor. I would, which agree. is what I, which is what I need to do. Um, but we will continue. Yes. Yeah, please go. Uh, find social connection that works. Rest isn't the only remedy for autistic burnout. Connecting with others is a significant way to alleviate burnout for non-autistic adults, Ms. Nagoski said, and may be helpful. But many autistic people misread social cues, take statements literally, and are uncomfortable with touch. Right. I, on the other hand, am like, touch me. Ms. That's me saying that, not the article. Ms. Nagoski did not say that. Ms. Nagoski, with her twin sister and co-author Emily Nagoski, uh, recommends 20-second hugs and six second kisses for neurotypical adults because they release the hormone oxytocin but those never worked for me she said instead she recommends a good old fit b no she did not say that (laughs) instead she recommends finding community (laughs) through social media where the hashtag actually autistic and hashtag autistic burnout hashtags help people find one another on most large social media platforms it's interesting though the uh, twenty. I could use a twenty second hug and a six second kiss myself. Um, Ms. Grant finds herself making trade offs when it comes to friendships. When people ask to spend time with her, she often declines in order to protect her energy. Mm-hmm. But her autism already strains her friendships. Just saying no isn't that easy, especially when you're used to saying yes. 
just to keep your friends, she said. Hmm. Ultimately, one of the best ways to keep autistic people from burning out will be to increase accommodations in workplaces, schools, hospitals, anywhere they might spend time, Mr. Garcia said. We're going back to Mr. Garcia now. Each autistic person may need different supports, such as quiet spaces to work, longer lunch breaks, alternative lighting, predictable schedules, or the ability to have support a support person with them. Mm-hmm. But there needs to be adequate motivation for those spaces to change, or autistic adults will continue to burn out more intensely than their peers, he said. Mm-hmm. I think that's true. Autism is still largely considered a childhood condition, as though those children don't grow up and continue to be autistic, which is probably one of the more annoying things. Yep. Uh, as more and more people are diagnosed, there are going to be more autistic people graduating college and in the workforce, Mr. Garcia said. Oh my gosh, but there are already more autistic people that have graduated college because they're usually the parents of the kids that they're talking about. That's just obtuse. Like, what about... Okay, trigger. Go ahead. You cut me off. I did. Sorry. Mr. Garcia said... Because autistic people have such differing needs, it may be impossible to determine a uniform policy, he said, but it does need to be addressed. And then there's some tips for better sleep on here. Do any of them include downregulating the vagus nerve? Fight or flights? Melatonin? Okay, no. Uh, Melatonin is a hormone. Exercise? It's a hormone that our body makes, except that you need... Like, co- oh, there's it's other articles that it's oh, it no, links to no. articles. So for melatonin, a lot of people tell me like melatonin doesn't work for me. It's like, well, melatonin requires a couple of um, cofactors in the body in order to make hel- melatonin because it's a hormone. So it's a it's a compound um, process in the body. It requires things like 5-HTP, L-theanine. It requires B vitamins. These are all things that we're supposed to be getting from our diet regularly, but you burn through things like your B vitamins when you're stressed out. So when you're sitting all all day and you're masking because you're trying to get through a social environment at work that is so different from your natural rhythms as a person, you're burning through those B vitamins being stressed. And so if you try and take melatonin at night and you haven't taken additional B vitamins, because our body doesn't store those, they're water soluble, um, then the melatonin isn't going to work because, or work as long as it could. It might only work for two or three hours to get you through the night because your body doesn't have the building blocks it needs to take advantage of the melatonin that you're taking because your body's not making it on its own anyways. And if you're in fight or flight, your body's not going to make melatonin naturally because your body wants to keep you awake because you don't sleep in fight or flight or you'll get eaten by a tiger. So, you know, that's why I continue to go back to the need to be aware of this part of our central nervous system. I mean, sensory input, that's our nerves, the auditory nerves, the optical nerves, our you know sensory nerves, the spinal nerves, everything that the body works through is the use of our nerves. Those are our wires. Those are the, the electricity that runs through everything. So we need to look at that, not just from a sensory input standpoint, but also that those same nerves are running a program that either keep you awake and active and alert or able to go, I'm in a safe place, I can calm down, I can rest, I can digest my food, I can sleep. They call it rest and digest for a reason. And if we don't ever put our central nervous system 
back in rest and digest. We've talked before about the digestive system being an indicator of neurodiversity. Sleep is also my number one indicator, uh, sleep issues, especially from birth, of neurodiversity because that part of the body does not get flipped back into rest and digest. It's critical to maintain life. If we don't do it, then this autistic burnout just seems inevitable. We need, and that can't be. We can't have, I mean, we can't... <laughs> An epidemic, the article called it an epidemic. Yeah, I would agree with that. And not to mention how many of you are parents do of you, autistic children. Do you even need me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm passionate about this, Blake. Like, Be passionate about me having time to respond, homie. I'm sorry. I have to get all that out because it's very, this was like. I'm going to leave. I'll come back in a half an hour when you're done. That's insulting. Come on. Oh, calm down. Continue. I can't wait to hear the end so you can tell me the beginning again so I can answer some questions. <laughs> I'm trying to contribute to the conversation here. I know that. I'm just saying I, I've said, I, okay, I've said repeatedly that I believe that you're living in chronic fight or flight. I know. Talk this just it. continues Quite to support that theory. It, it continues to support, I mean, everything here continues to add up to chronic fight or flight. And if it is chronic fight or flight, which I firmly believe it is, then we also need to be talking about what you can actually do yourself to downregulate your own system because you can. I'll, look, I'll do this. I'll come to the next episode with a list of things that you can actually do to downregulate your own system. And since you probably, I mean, just by the sound of this article, it sounds like autistic burnout may be something that you're experiencing. I'm having sentence burnout right now. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to follow what you're talking about. I'm saying I'll come to the next episode with some, with a list of techniques that we use in body work because you don't like to think that what I do is therapy. And I know it's not talk therapy, but it is body but therapy. That's what people mean when they're like, oh, I'm going to see a therapist. No one goes, oh, I hope you have a good massage. The word therapy applies to a variety of aspects. Okay. There's equine therapy. There's music therapy. What kind? Equine horses. Haven't heard that's of that? not that's clear. I'm not talking about horses right there's now. There's massage therapy. There's physical therapy. There's, you know. There's talk therapy. You There's know all what I kinds mean. If of I say therapies. I'm going, if I'm if I met with my therapist, you know what I'm talking about on this show. On this show, yes, but everyone on this show also knows what I do for a living, so both apply. But they don't think I'm going to get a massage. I didn't say you were. I'm just, I'm saying, just saying it seems like it seems redundant. Okay, so you say that you meet with your talk therapist. I don't call her my talk therapist. I know, therapist. but I'm just clarifying. Like she's a game show host. She's not. Today on Blake's Mental. What? How would you phrase it then? My therapist. Okay. See how they don't say therapy. They don't. They, they don't have to call it a talk therapist. They have to call it a massage therapist, or an equine therapist, whatever the hell that is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. You're fine. Let's agree to disagree. I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I'm just saying that you're putting one therapy as, uh, is superior to others, and I think they all have a different role to play. <sighs> okay. Well, all right. 
I, I'm not going to argue with you. Have you learned in therapy how to downregulate your central nervous system into rest and digest so that your body can heal and you can sleep and actually get some, you know. Yes, I'm healthier than I've ever been. I had therapy t- this week and we discussed a lot of different things and she said that it sounds like, you know, one of the things I need to do is, is manage my medication. Right. On top of the fact that I'm still not working out. Okay. So there's other things that I'm not doing that are still not helping. And it's just, I don't have the energy. Like it's, it's, I'm in a, I'm trapped in a loop. But that, okay. But that's exactly, you're proving my point because in order to have the energy to start a new relationship with a new psychiatrist. I need a massage. Not well. I mean, massage would. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. I'm just busting your chops. Okay. The two things that she mentioned are accurate. They're strong recommendations. However, they also both require you to have the energy to do it. Even picking up the phone, and and I would argue, you probably have more energy to exercise than you do to find a new psychiatrist, pick up the phone, work up the urge and the, the momentum to call, talk to them on the phone, schedule the appointment, go through all of that social interaction. I think you'd spend less energy working out. So... Neither of those suggestions are readily available to you because you still have to overcome the obstacle of having the energy to get to them. So what I'm suggesting is the step in front of it that says, how do you bring your body out of fight or flight, which you can do with things like the elongated out breath, for one. I've done that. It doesn't work for me. Have you done it well? Yeah. Yeah. I used to pay to go to therapy and we would do it in the room. But how old were you? 30 something. Okay. This there's is more Lori. there's more than one. I just didn't come with that list in my mind today, so I'm I don't want to like try and pull it out of thin air cuz I'm not going to do it justice, so I don't want to try. I'll say I come to the next episode with that list. Okay. But there are things that you can do to help downregulate your central I'm just nervous saying system for me particularly the the breathing thing doesn't work for that's me. That's fine, that's fair. It but may, I don't need to I'm, I'm, done, I'm I'm going to sleep at night. That's not the point. But it's you're just not resting at night. That's But that's true. the true that's evidence that your neurological so you can sleep. You can force your body to sleep. You will wear out and sleep. It doesn't mean you're resting. It doesn't mean you're getting into the REM sleep that starts to heal your body. I must be getting REM sleep because I'm dreaming. Well, okay, but are you healing? Are you waking up refreshed? No. That's my point. Maybe I need to burn more sage. (laughs) Take more vitamins, maybe? I take plenty of vitamins. See, I know you do. That's why I didn't bring it up earlier. I'm just saying I I think that we're missing some of the... Here's why I think that we're missing it, though, is because there is a belief that the human body automatically downregulates out of fight or flight as soon as there's not a threat, okay? That's the belief. So when I say that neurodiversity lives in fight or flight, I am contradicting the very, very standard belief that the human body doesn't need help to come out of fight or flight. The, the belief is that we live in rest and digest and we only, we only upshift into fight or flight when there's an actual threat. Except how often do you go through your day and you view employees or your boss or the phone call or a customer or driving or or going to the store and buying groceries as a as some sort of a threat you have to put the mask on it's all this extra energy you live in fight or flight defying the very formula that everyone is taking for granted that doesn't apply 
to autism because and ADHD and anxiety and depression, you live there. You live in fight or flight. So no one's thinking about adding that step in because they just assume your body does it. Just like they assume your body sleeps. Just like they assume your body can read social cues. Like, or your brain, like, there's just one more level of assumption that I believe is an assumption that doesn't apply to autism and neurodiversity. That's why I continue to bring it up. It, I think it's overlooked. And I don't think we should take it for granted. We need to add that step in intentionally and really work with your central nervous system, knowing that it's a light switch that you yourself can flip. Not easily. Like it takes practice. It takes some intention. You've got to kind of train your central nervous system into a new pattern. And it takes some time. But if you don't ever know to try and flip that switch... You're just going to be swimming uphill constantly. Swimming uphill. Swimming. I jumbled my word. I've never swam uphill before. Up, oh, str- I, my visual was salmon swim, swimming up the river. And swam I, and swimming I up couldn't the say it because at the moment I couldn't figure out my words. Thanks for pointing out my challenges there. Yep. Mewily, 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 mewily. <laughs> Life is but a dream. I was trying not to flip the words as they came out of my mouth because my right. brain saw them back. Hey, it's fair we're, we're we sell we celebrate uh, not only autism on this uh, podcast but also uh what's the thing you have dyslexia yeah dyslexia yeah 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 All it's right. a real in that same post uh, where I, I talked about um rustin and kim having uh, contributed to the conversation matthew also said Sounds like you've shifted your focus from time to performance and therefore are seeing things from a performance point of view. Mm. Before going down the meds route, focus back on time, not performance, by setting short time blocks to do mundane tasks. Mm -hmm. The objective is to finish whatever you're doing at the end of the block regardless of completion, as long as you've done something. Increase those blocks when you feel ready to and recognize the the good work you're doing. When time becomes performance, it drives a mental cycle of inadequacy. I like this because he's also addressing the emotional piece. Sorry, you're not done. The numbness should be discussed with your psychiatrist, as you said. Oh, so I agree. Um, it took me a minute when Matthew's too smart for me. Um, I think <laughs> when I read this at first, I was like, what the hell is he saying? So no, he's uh, he's basically talking about, and it's a good idea. Uh, you know, instead, when you walk in, like I look at my apartment, I'm like, my entire apartment needs to be clean. I must clean it. And I won't clean it because I can't clean it. Instead, you know, being Your like, way. I'm going to clean. Well, I'm just saying that's just how you look at you look at the entire. Right. I think this is what he's saying. That he's saying like you look at something like that. It's overwhelming. So you just don't do it as opposed to, okay, I'm going to clean off the kitchen counter first. Right. And I'm gonna, or, or, or I'm going to do something like, you know, and that will be my goal is to clean off the kitchen counter. And then you clean off the kitchen counter. You're like, okay, I've cleaned off the kitchen counter. Now I can you know, do some dishes or I've done the dishes. Now it's time to put the dishes away. Now I can, now everything's clean. Now I can actually start cooking for myself. Right. I see what he's saying. I think that's what he's saying. Is that what you're saying? That's what I think he's (laughs) saying. And I think he's really smart because what, what he's also talking about in there. And this is one of the strategies uh, that I use with Declan is because we are always nurturing and working to develop our own self-esteem. And this applies perfectly. Like if you have autistic burnout or burnout for any other reason, um, things are going to pile up and get overwhelming. And then, then you look at them overwhelming. And then the first thing you do is you go, Oh, I just, I feel like I failed. Like, look how dirty my apartment is. and I don't have the energy to fix it. And so what takes a hit 
not only do you start, what he's saying when you start to feel inadequate is that it takes a hit in, on your self-esteem. Right. And we don't acknowledge hits against our self-esteem enough. And one of the reasons why I believe the mask is so detrimental is because you constantly allow your self-esteem to take a hit just to, f- I mean, and, and it's a, it's a, I mean, I understand the purpose of it. Like you often do have to hide or feel like you have to hide from the outside world because they don't readily accept. And so you, it's a protective measure, but at the same time, you're also, your self-esteem is going to take a hit because you can't be yourself and you're not like succeeding at being you. And that's what energizes us. And when you don't have that feeling of like, oh, look at me, I did it and I did it well that drains your emotional energy and anything that drains your emotional energy is also going to drain your mental and your physical energy. Because remember, every single feeling in the body is triggered by hormones and then it sends that hormone signal right back up to the brain and the brain responds with a thought. So if your body is feeling like, oh, I'm a failure, and then it sends that thought back up to the brain and the brain sends the neurochemicals around that says, I feel like a failure, then Every part of you just took a hit. And and that that's the detriment of the mask. So what I love about his contribution to this conversation is that his strategy offers you a very bite-sized, manageable way to rebuild your self-esteem in a really important place, which is your home. I mean, that's your safe place. And the more you can feel good about yourself in your own home, the more energy you have to go out and face the outer world, you know, that that isn't so customized to you where your home is. So I I appreciate that comment. Me too. And you're really good at cleaning. Well. But I do like his suggestion suggestion to do one thing at a time because... Well, I did. I did a little bit of cleaning today. Okay. I felt some motivation for some reason. I don't know where it came from. And that's frustrating when you don't know what the trigger is. Right. Do you journal at all or keep it? Because doctor... I keep a baby journal because talking about for Declan. But for yourself, like... So when I was... I don't have the energy to do both. Well, when I spent this month in this allergy attack and I was super symptomatic and I couldn't think straight and I was in these coughing fits that no coughing medicine would do anything for I went into excel because I've learned how to create what I call a manual memory because I can't I can't remember from day to day and as this went on from like five days into like two weeks and started getting into the third week I was like oh screw this so I created a spreadsheet for myself that listed my symptoms across the top and the dates across the bottom and a morning noon and night row and just formatted it so I could just audit myself in the morning and go what am I what did I wake up feeling today and I could just check the boxes and then what did I feel in the afternoon I just checked I don't even have to think about it I just got to go ask myself the question look at the document and check the boxes and then over time I was able to go back and look at it and go huh why am I significantly worse when I have to wear a mask look at this on my work days when I'm wearing a mask my life goes to shit. Like I can't breathe. I can't catch my breath. I'm coughing all over people. Like something is, the cough medicines aren't working. I'm on prescription stuff. Nothing's working. What is happening when I'm putting on a mask? Now, could I have figured that out on my own? I mean, 
I would say no, because I was in an allergy attack from April to November last year, and I never figured it out. But I created a manual memory for myself, and I was able to figure out asthma and go to my doctors and go, look at this manual memory I created, and it sure seems to me like I have asthma. And they started asking me questions about my entire life, and I was like, yeah, that's my entire life. It started when I was 10. Oh, and my migraine started when I was 12. And oh, hey, Rochelle, did you know that your migraines are caused by untreated asthma? I was like, no, but thanks for shattering my world because I have suffered with migraines my entire life. And so have the rest of us. You have actually, because I have, you know, you know yes, those were debil- I've had debilitating suicidal migraines that really make you question like, why am I going to live if it hurts this bad? So there are things that you can do to just keep a log and let the paper and the pen be your memory for you. So you don't have to put any effort into it and just allow yourself to go back days later and look at it and find the patterns that you don't have the mental energy to do in the time. I mean, that you're talking about what's it called where it's like, um, Working memory where you keep everything kind of in that place in the front of your brain where you can organize it. I mean, that's one of the challenges of ADHD, right? Poor Is it poor working memory? I think that's the name of it. That requires... You got me. And, and executive function, which is organizing and planning. And both of those things are nearly impossible to do. One, if you're on burnout. Two, if you have ADHD on top of burnout. Three, if you're not sleeping at night. And never re- recharging your batteries. Right. So I mean, I know that I mentioned like I'm sleeping fine, but not everyone has that. It, it's it's a weird thing because I mean, even though I am sleeping, I'm not. Like you said, I'm not resting. I guess or not, not. I don't feel rested. You're not healing when you sleep. I still get that that five <clears throat> o'clock feeling, if you know what I mean. I do. Yeah, you're supposed to heal. That's why they say sleep when you're sick. You're supposed sleep is supposed to be healing, but sleep is only healing if your nerve and your nervous system is actually down regulating into rest and digest so yeah. <coughs> rochelle is just puffing away right now it's all those years of smoking crack <laughs> oh god Never. i wouldn't even recognize it if you showed it to me what crack <clears throat> yeah i wouldn't even i wouldn't even know it <clears throat> i know didn't you didn't you say you dated a dude that said he was a bean pusher and you're like, oh, he's a he's what do you think he was? I thought he was an accountant. Yeah, an accountant. <laughs> I thought he was an accountant because I come from a family. My dad and both my grandpas are accountants. And were they bean pushers, too? They call accountants bean pushers. So I really thought um, it was ecstasy he sold. But um, but oh, I didn't okay. know that I was fresh out of my 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 religious days and I was raised under a rock. So, yeah, I had no idea what he was talking about. And I didn't have the social confidence to ask questions i just assumed i knew and found out the hard way no that's years of um being oxygen deprived Hmm. what'd you find oh nothing um i mean well you'll find out oh fair enough where are we are we uh we're about time to wrap up yeah yeah so i think it's time for news minute or pop minute which one you want first uh news okay um first bit of 
first bit of big news this week is, oh, and I'm, I feel so bad I'm going to butcher her name, and I heard it earlier. Um, can, Kat, Kat, uh, Katanji? Is that how you say her name? Katanji Brown-Jackson? I don't know. B- KBJ? Don't know. Became the first black woman confirmed to the Supreme Court? You haven't heard of her? Come on now. Oh, no, no, no. I've seen her picture come across... But I haven't all the heard turmoil that's been going yeah, on. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, I have heard about this. I don't know how to months? say her name though. Yeah, uh, K E T A N J I. I thought it was like Katanji. I think you're right. Maybe that's what it is. Katanji Brown Jackson. KBJ. I'll just call her KBJ. That sounds easier. Sounds good. Um, becomes the first black woman confir- confirmed to the Supreme Court. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. I don't have a ton on that because I just it was all over the news. Um, then I have two articles I wanted to reference. So this episode might be a little bit longer. <laughs> I'll try not to it's do okay. it. Uh, I'll just kind of read the highlights. THC and CBD exposed in womb links to childhood obesity, higher blood sugar, study says. And CBD? Yep. Pregnant women who are exposed to, this is a, an article from CNN. Okay. Uh, by Sandy Lamott. I mean, I agree with THC. I'm curious about the CBD. Well, you don't get to disagree with the science. I said so. I'm... I I agree with the THC. I'm curious. Pregnant women who were exposed to cannabis products that contain THC and CBD were more likely to have children with increased fat mass and blood sugar levels at age five, a new pilot study found. Did they separate the two in the study? There's this misconception that cannabis is safe. Let me just read it and then you can, can, look, Rochelle, give me a minute. I don't know. I'm I'm reading it right now. I'm literally reading it right now. There's this misconception that cannabis is safe, says study author Brianna Moore, an assistant uh, professor. And look at there's Rochelle doing her, her drugs. My inhaler. Her inhaler. Uh, it, it, at the Colorado School of Public Health in Aurora, Colorado. Some women may use it in pregnancy, thinking that it's a safe alternative to other medicines, even prescribed medications. Moore said, yet studies show connections between marijuana use during pregnancy and low birth weight in babies and behavioral problems lab- later in childhood, and there may be links to glucose and weight issues as well. The reason that, and there's more on this article if you want to read it, it's on CNN. I just thought it was interesting hmm. because you don't typically see a lot of negative news on weed. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So again, I I can either de- de- deny or, you know, because people might come back and say, that article sucked. Um, right. I mean, there's that's the thing about it. There's always multiple viewpoints. I'm, I guess I'm confused about the research, whether they researched THC and CBD together. I mean, they yeah, are I'm together. It's, or if they... It's probably... Because it typically is combined. But I don't think they're talking about CBD cream. But CBD separately, without the THC, is supposed to. This is saying TB. This is saying THC and CBD were products that contain THC and CBD. So I'm assuming gummies, weed. But, okay, but this is why I'm trying to get to the distinction because I understand all of those things to be true with THC. I don't understand them to be true with CBD. Here we go. So, Dangers of CBD. You ready? Go ahead. Expectant mothers in study were recruited in Colorado through Healthy Start, a national program designed to improve health outcomes before, during, and after pregnancy. Of the 103 women who were tested, so there's obviously not a very huge market there. Okay. Um, that You know, there's thousands of people. But anyway, out of the 103 women who were tested during pregnancy, 15% had detectable levels of various cannabinoids in their urine, including THC, a chemical in marijuana. What? Sorry, the... I hate that when your phone like, addresses. Re- yeah. Yeah. 
uh, plant that has psychoactive properties creating a high. <laughs> like how it's explaining, like no one knows what this is. What's interesting too is that we measured this at mid-pregnancy, Moore said. These women very much knew they were pregnant and they were past the first trimester where cannabis is often used for morning sickness. Levels of CBD, uh, how do you say that? Cannabid- cannabinoids. Can- no, it's not cannabinoids. It's cannabid- cannabidiol. Cannabidiol? We're also found. The chemical CBD is marketed over the counter and online as being non-psychoactive and a safe safe option for anxiety, depression, sleep, pain, nausea, and more. Many CBD products are made from industrial hemp, industrial hemp, a type of cannabis plant that has little THC. Uh, however, CBD can be derived from either wear, mar, wear-o-mana. <laughs> Sounds like I've had a little wear-o-mana today. <laughs> you do have marijuana or today. hemp. According to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, there is currently not a lot of regulations, so CBD products may contain unknown levels of THC, as well as pesticides, heavy metals, bacteria, and fungus, the agency says. Known risks of CBD to humans include liver damage, excessive sleepiness, and harmful interactions with other drugs, as well as the munchies. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I added the munchies part. And while there's not much research on the impact of CBD on pregnancy or breastfeeding, based on what we do know, there is significant cause for concern. The FDA warned, FDA wants you to know that there may be serious risks to using cannabis products, including those containing CBD, if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. Interesting. I'm also talking about low birth weight, and I don't want to spend the entire episode talking about this, but I just thought it was an interesting thing, because you don't necessarily Yeah, but they're not being really specific about it, and I I struggle with things like this, because if they're not Well, then I shouldn't have brought it up. I redact my statement. No, 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 it's a mental health podcast. This is definitely something that I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are either researching or wondering about or you know there's it's applicable Blake it's a good it's a good thing to bring up but but I do worry about articles like this that are so non-specific because even in that one it said THC and CBD were combined and I get that but if you're just talking about strictly CBD it can be medicinal I mean strictly CBD without THC it, it's an expensive process to pull the THC out but there have been many people using like CBD oil, CBD seeds, even years ago, to treat um, untreatable epilepsy because of the anti-inflammatory process. Because there's an endocannabinoid system that lives within our like within our bodies, in our skin. There's an endocannabinoid system already, and pure CBD without the THC activates the endocannabinoid system. In and it our- also makes your kids fat when they're five. Fat after five. But what it does is it's an anti-inflammatory process. So unless they're really being specific about CBD without any THC as being a cause for harm, I struggle with these types of like Well, I think what it was vague, saying, it's, it was saying that t- uh, CBD typically does contain unknown levels of THC. CBD can. It can. So how do you know for sure which is which? You have to really research your company. Okay. So you may still not know though. You have to, well, there are companies, the companies that go through the extensive processes, their products are going to be more expensive. This episode brought to you by weed. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have zero sponsors. Maybe that's a problem we need to fix, but, yeah. um, but the products are going to be more expensive because of the process to pull the CBD out and the, the companies that go through the effort to ensure that the highest amount of THC has been removed from their products, they're going to let you know about it. I knew if I talked about weed that Rochelle was going to have something to say. <laughs> I'm just, I explain, I've spent, I spent a few years working on testing CBD, CBD skincare <laughs> products. And right. then I went through my own process because I, you know, I, 
She's an independent investigator. (laughs) (laughs) I had migraines for most of my life. And you know what they put me on for my migraines? You know what those geniuses put me on? Weed. Vasoconstrictors. So I already don't get enough blood and oxygen running through my brain and through my body. It's why I can't catch my breath. Sure enough, running through your lips. (laughs) They put me on vasoconstrictors. Okay. I was like, let's I got reduce- two. I have three other articles to read. Okay. I'm just saying, I had an opinion. Okay, you'll like this one. Maybe you won't. I don't know. I thought this was Tell really me. interesting. Okay, so this this totally harkens back to the movie Basic Instinct. Do you remember that movie? I do. So it's kind of like a Skinamax type of movie, but actually like a well written one. <laughs> well, because okay. no, it's got because like, it's got a, like a good plot. Okay. It's like okay. the movie Wild Things. You know what I mean? Like there's like nudity, but it's also kind of like this is actually not bad. Right. I'm with you. So what's the plot of Basic Instinct? She she writes books, and then uh, she's writing a book, and some guy that she's been sleeping with that gets murdered, just the way that it happened in her book or something like that. Oh, right. Wow. Okay. So this um, again, this is so this is by Faith. Karimi, and I'm going to read the entire thing because I thought it was fascinating. Good. Um, I'll try and be quiet. Yeah. Not even, and, and I'm going to totally bury, well, I just explained what happened, but uh, this romance novelist is on trial in her husband's killing. It's like a plot twist from one of her books. So this is not based on a story. This is actually something that really happened. Oh, Nancy wow. Crampton Brophy wrote steamy romance novels with her mus- muscular, often shirtless men on their covers with titles like The Wrong Husband. Some carried a tagline that said, wrong never felt so right. But for Crampton Brophy, life with her husband of almost two decades appeared anything but wrong. She and Daniel Brophy lived in a quiet suburb of Portland, Oregon, where he was a chef at a culinary school. Crampton Brophy said her husband raised turkeys and chickens in their backyard, tended a vegetable garden, and liked to whip up lavish meals for her. The day she realized he was Mr. Right, she wrote on her author's website, he was making her hors d'oeuvres or whore's divorce, while she took a bath. (laughs) Can you imagine spending the rest of your life without a man like that, she asked. She is not a beautiful woman, by the way. Then came a plot twist. (laughs) There was a little plot twist for you. That could have been ripped from one of her books. On the morning of June 2nd, 2018, someone shot Daniel Brophy in the kitchen in the Oregon Culinary Institute where he taught cooking. Three months later, Portland police arrested Crampton Brophy and charged her with her husband's murder. And now the woman who once published an infamous blog titled How to Murder Your Husband is on trial in Oregon in an Oregon courtroom. Crampton Brophy, 71, is charged with a single count of murder and has pleaded not guilty. The trial is expected to last six weeks. Her husband was shot twice at the cooking school where he worked. On the morning Daniel Brophy was killed, students arrived for class and found him bleeding on the kitchen floor. In the court documents, prosecutors said the 63-year-old man had been shot twice, once in the back as he stood at a sink filling ice and water buckets for the students, and then a second time in the chest at close range. The bullets penetrated his spine and pierced his heart. Oh, my God. Brophy's wallet with cash and credit cards was found with him, and there were no signs of robbery or forced entry. The next day, Crampton Brophy posted a message on Facebook. My husband and best friend, Chef Dan Brophy, was killed yesterday morning, it said. For those of you who are close to me and feel this deserved a phone call, you were right, but I'm struggling to make sense of everything right now. The slaying remained a public mystery for months. Then came Crampton Brophy's arrest in September 2018, and suddenly the image of the couple's happy marriage collapsed. Prosecutors allege in court documents that the Brophys were facing financial difficulties and had drained their retirement account two years prior to the shooting. Crampton Brophy, whose books were not financially lucrative, 
hatched the plan to kill her husband to collect more than $1.5 million from multiple insurance policies and other assets, prosecutors said. Ambrophy was content in his simplistic lifestyle, but Nancy Brophy wanted something more. Prosecutors said in court documents, as Nancy Brophy became more financially desperate and her writing career was career 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 was floundering, she was left with a few options. Dan Brophy was worth more than 1.5 million to Dan to Nancy Brophy if he was dead, and he was worth a life of financial hardship if he stayed alive. Nancy Brophy planned and carried out what she believed was the perfect murder, a murder that she believed would free her from the grips of financial despair. Prosecutors said a search of the couple's computers revealed they had a joint iTunes account with a bookmark article titled 10 Ways to Cover Up a Murder. I'm adding this myself. Number one, delete that bitch of a bookmark. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But Crampton Brophy's attorney argued at the trial this week that she loved her husband and had nothing to do with the killing. The state will present a circumstantial case that begs you to cast a blind eye to the most important circumstance, love. Defense attorney Lisa Maxfield said Monday in her opening statement, Nancy Crampton Brophy uh, has also, oh, sorry, always been thoroughly, madly crazy in love with Daniel Brophy, and she still is to this day. For Nancy Brophy, he was perfect. The couple had taken several romantic getaways in the months before Brophy's death and were planning a summer trip to Mount Rushmore, the defense attorney said. The slaying drew new attention to Crampton Brophy's writings. News of the slaying stunned the Portland community and made headlines everywhere, partly due to something Crampton Brophy wrote seven years before her husband's death. In 2011, as mentioned earlier, she published a blog titled How to Murder Your Husband. As a romantic suspense writer, I spent a lot of time thinking about murder and consequently about police procedure. The 700-word post began. It was published on a blog called C. Jane Publish that has since been made private. The essay was split into sections detailing the pros and cons of killing a villainous husband. If the murder is supposed to set me free, I certainly don't want to spend any time in jail, Crampton Brophy wrote. And let me say clearly for the record, I don't like jumpsuits and orange isn't my color. But the trial judge ruled Monday that the essay would not be permitted as evidence because it was written years ago as part of a a writing seminar and could unfairly prejudice the jury. Nancy Crampton's Brophy's book, The Wrong Husband. Oh, sorry. That's showing a picture of some some Steven Seagal looking dude. Crampton Brophy's novels do not appear to have brought her riches or literary acclaim, but they were consistent in their packaging and subject matter. Her books were tales of attempted murder, infidelity, crime, lust, and general debauchery, all common themes of romantic suspense novels. In The Wrong Husband, a woman tries to escape her abusive husband by hiding in Spain during their anniversary trip. Um, I didn't realize this thing went on for so long. It's confusing that they took so many recent trips, considering the financial. Well, maybe that's yeah. They're they're broke. They might as well be on credit cards. Um, and then I'm just gonna glimpse over their last of this. I realize that I'm like going way long now. Uh, like all marriages, we had our ups and downs, more good times than bad. She wrote. Prosecutors say she researched ghost guns. This is the part that I thought was interesting. The school had no security cameras. But nearby traffic cameras did show Crampton Brophy's Toyota minivan on city streets near the Institute around the time of the shooting. Uh, said that she... Prosecutors say they believe that she followed her husband to work and shot him with a Glock 9mm handgun that she bought at a Portland gun show. Investigators did find two 9mm shell casings at the scene. She had bought a ghost gun assembly kit that investigators later found at a storage facility. Ghost guns are unregistered and untraceable firearms. Uh, Crampton Brophy's attorneys told jur- jurors that she was researching ghost gun kits for a book she was working on, of course. 
Prosecutors alleged that uh, to cover her tracks, she swapped the slide and barrel of the Glock 9mm with an identical mechanism she bought on eBay and used that to shoot her husband, then took out the new slide and barrel and replaced it with the original, thus being able to present a new fully intact firearm to police that would not match match the shell casings found at the scene of the crime. Detectives had not recovered the slide and barrel purchased on eBay, meaning forensic experts have been unable to match the spent bullets with a gun. Uh, she was the sole beneficiary in several life insurance policies, again, accounting amounting to about $1.5 million. Uh, and they were spending about $1,000 a month on life insurance premiums despite their financial woes. Holy crap. Yeah. Uh, wow. So anyway, pretty interesting stuff, huh? Oh, man. I thought. Hmm. All right, I'll make pop minutes short. Pop minute. Wait, you're not gonna summarize? I mean, like, what? You read that whole thing, so <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Watch this transition." Who needs transitions? I mean, I need a minute to process that. Holy cow! What, what, what is, what's the process? That's it. That's it. So, what was it? We're that gonna find out in six weeks if this lady's going to jail or not for killing her husband. Ah. I just thought it was interesting that it's like, oh, like I'm a I'm a crappy romance novelist, and now like, I'm gonna kill my husband the perfect how to how to get away with murder the first thing i would be doing was be deleting all my how to get away with murder uh tabs on my computer i think if you delete them because they can recover all the deletion stuff it actually makes you look more guilty i i just that is just not a way to deal with it's not a way to deal with any of that it's so you don't think so murder is not the way to do it definitely not all right how about slapping someone in the face is that a way to get away with something um I'm not going to read the entire article, but uh, basically, we all know about the slap heard around the world. We do. We um, do. So the punishment uh, from Will Smith is he cannot attend the Oscars for ten years. And I, I understand he agreed to that. Like, well, he, I mean, he, he doesn't really get to agree it. or disagree. He, yeah, he just basically, he's like, he's not fighting it. Yeah, but if they, if they, if you he's got like, sent yeah. to jail, you don't go. I agree. No, yeah. Well, you just go to jail. Look. Have they? Is that really? That's kind of. I mean, it's it it's 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 not much of a punishment, really. No, it's not. I mean, it's you know, like I I was watching uh, TMZ art uh, like video, and David Spade was on there, and he was kind of keeping low key, and he's like, you can see the guys like, hey, David, he's like, yeah, like he wasn't even like, hello, he's like, how you doing? He was like, uh huh, mm. and he's like, so uh, Will Smith. Chris mm. Rock, you talked to Chris about it? And he's like, yeah. He's like, but I, I told Chris I wasn't going to go running out and talking to you guys first thing. <laughs> but basically it sounded like, you know, he's like, it's it's a slap on the wrist. You know, he's, it, it, it's, it, you're telling this this rich guy, like, you can't go to some parties for 10 years. Like, right. Kind of, you know, you can't, you can't vote on movies. Have we, have we heard, not that it matters because the slap is still inexcusable, but, but has Will ever come out and explained, I mean, other than just like, love makes you do crazy things, which is a piss poor excuse. I haven't heard anything else, no. I think you know about as much as I do. I mean, it's not like we've experienced this with even some of our friends, you know, you get emotionally overcharged and you just want to slap them in the face. And some people do get slapped in the face. I mean. Oh, I see what you're talking about. So it's like, we know when there's an emotional. That was not a subtle reference to what happened. There's it's more, there's more than one thing I'm thinking about. Oh, I thought you were talking about when I got slapped in the face. That's one of them. Yeah, but it happens because there's just there are moments now. Not they don't all happen on the stage of the Oscars, but I mean you can be emotionally so overwhelmed that you just don't know what else to do, and it's not an appropriate thing to do. But I mean, look at the TV that we watch. Look at how many how many how often do 
emotional outbursts and especially that pivotal moment like between two characters where you just know that someone has just said something way beyond the other person's capacity to process it and they get slapped in the face like we we continue to put that behavior in our culture and call it acceptable and so he's getting punished and everyone's like it's a slap on the wrist and yet we continue to put it in the movies and the tv shows i think chris rock should be able to smack him in the face i don't disagree with that live on tv and then it's a mental health podcast. So have you read about, um, they've talked about Chris Rocks. Like he has, I can't remember the name of it now, so I don't want to butcher it, but he had, he has some sort of mental, I can't, I can't remember what they're calling it. Um, like he has trouble processing something in the moment. And so like he didn't fully understand. Sounds like you have it too. No, I just don't remember all the details. <laughs> um, but there was a, there was an aspect to Chris to where he didn't like back away or prevent it from happening. Cause I, I think, don't think he expected that was going to happen. Right. And that's what I'm saying. So I understand he has some sort of condition that helped him to not understand it was coming. Like something that where he could, he didn't read the situation. He didn't, he didn't protect himself the way you would if you like, you normally, if someone like raises your hand to slap you, you kind of back away and whatever it is that Chris deals with, like it, he didn't have, he doesn't have that that filter or that ability or something. This is going to be one of those things. It's going to be, it's going to be like the Zapruder film. People are just going to be watching it over and over again, trying to determine like what was, what was really going on? I can't remember. You know what the Zapruder film is? I do not actually. Are you serious? Yeah. JFK assassination. What are you calling it? The Zapruder film. What word? Zapruder? Yeah. The guy that the, the, that's where they got the, the, the footage People know what I'm talking about. Trust me, I know what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, no, I try. I know that you uh, the, during the date, the the like when they were trying to determine like what happened during the JFK assassination, someone had filmed the the event, and they used that film to try and figure out what the hell happened. Oh wow! And that's the Zapruder film. Anyway, um, two more things, and it's like you know, this is why it's called Pop Minute, folks. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but Chris again, Rock, just hold on. on. No, let me do it. So the Hollywood Reporter in 2020 by Rock himself, he claimed to suffer from a mental disorder that prevents him from understanding nonverbal communication. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Um, two years ago, a good friend of the comedian suggested that he might have Asperger's syndrome. Uh, which we, of course, know is now just autism. autism level one. Since then, Rock has undergone several tests and many hours of testing until he identified the aforementioned nonverbal learning disorder. The, um, but I don't think they've, it doesn't say whether they've confirmed autism or not. Um, I don't they think said they have. Asperger's would fit perfectly into such a profile uh, because it does make communication in social and personal relationships difficult. Um, leading to those affected in a state of frequent confusion. So, this episode's getting longer by the minute, Rochelle. I, I got two I'm more episodes. But this was two a real look. This was a real thing. Like it nope. tied right back into your. No more minute. serious business. This is supposed to be my <laughs> moment. Sorry, you talked plenty. I did. Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck are engaged. What? Together. I didn't know that. Yep. Low Fleck is back together. Oh. J Blow. Benifer 2.0. Wasn't yep. it Benifer? Oh yeah. Yeah. That right I like J Blow instead. <laughs> Okay. Jennifer Blow Fleck. <laughs> and didn't she just come out with a Marry Me uh, movie that she did with someone else, like Owen Wilson? Yeah, but they're not in a relationship. No, I know. Why didn't she just do it with Ben Affleck? I he's don't know, because he's busy doing other things. Oh, okay. 
Anyway, um, finally, The Simpsons will feature a deaf actor in American Sign Language for the first time in its 33-year history. Wow. Um, I do not know. Uh, the ep- episode is called The Sound of Bleeding Gums. I don't watch The Simpsons, but I might watch that. I thought that was kind of cool that That's they're cool. going to be doing that. And it uh, apparently has nothing to do with the... Uh, uh, the movie Coda winning Best Picture. Sure. Um, they're just saying the timing just They're saying that the timing just is working super out that way. Super suspicious that yeah. it took them 33 years to figure it out. Well, I mean, because they're, they're doing sign language with four fingers. Okay, well, I didn't so realize I that logistics point, but yep, I see that now. They're yellow people with four fingers. I don't watch The Simpsons. I don't, I don't know. I haven't watched The Simpsons in a long time either, but I'm just saying. Anyway. I know, but you have that kind of a memory. I so, don't. Okay. We've, but cool. I think we've talked plenty today. This is like two episodes worth of episodes. <laughs> no. Let's call this episode two worths. This is like a big fat uh, episode. Hey, some of them are longer and some of them are shorter. They balance out in the end. That's, That's okay. right. It doesn't matter the length. It's the girth. <laughs> <laughs> this is also not only a lengthy but a girthy episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, I got some new music for you, folks. Hopefully, you like it. I like it. Uh, I like it. Cool. All right. Um, Blake. I'm Michelle. And we will be back.